Matthew 14, 24 through 31 says, But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. And when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? I want to just go back up to verse 30 momentarily there, where it says, But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. My title this morning is, Keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for bringing us together this morning. God, you've laid this word on my heart, God, and I pray that I speak forth your word and I speak with, under your anointing, God, that I'm not just here sharing my opinions, but that what I have to say today would be anointed by you and in accordance with your word. Go with us through this service. Help us to bring every thought into captivity and help our minds and hearts to be open to what you want to say to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Your eyes set your focus. What you look at is what you're focused on. There's an old song that says you can't walk a straight line looking back. <laughs> Because if you're looking over your shoulder, you're walking all over the place because that's not where you're headed. You can't drive down the road staring in your rearview mirror. You can't walk a straight line just staring to the left. You can't walk a straight line just staring to the right. But you've got to keep your eyes on Jesus. Peter set his eyes on Jesus when he stepped out of that boat. When God calls us out upon the waters, when God calls us out to take a step of faith, we start with our eyes set on him. But when we walk into those boisterous waters, when we walk away from our security, we get so tempted to look at the wind and the storm around us, and we take our eyes off Jesus and we put them on our problems. In church, when you take your eyes off Jesus, you start to sink. But Jesus caught Peter. There was redemption. Jesus is always there for us, even when we do it wrong. Even when we lose our focus, he's there to pick us back up. But God wants us to keep our eyes set on him. When you're walking through a dark tunnel, all you can see ahead of you is the, is the light at the other end of the tunnel. And you've got to keep your eyes focused on that light and not be worried about what might be around you or what else might be in that tunnel because the only goal is to get through the process. 
We have to keep our eyes set on Jesus. We have to keep our eyes set on heaven. The world will bring us storms. The world will rock our boat. But God's calling us out. God's calling us into something else. As we take that step of faith, we have to keep our eyes set on Jesus. When we keep ourselves in submission to God, it gives us the authority of God. When God calls us out of the boat and we walk in his authority, walk in his submission, it gives us the authority to do what he wants to do. It gives us the authority to invoke his name. You look at the story of Moses. He spent 40 years of his life being a somebody. He was a prince, the prince of Egypt. For the first 40 years of his life, he was a prince in Egypt. I'm not even 40 yet. I don't know how long 40 years is. But then he spends the next 40 years being a nobody in the desert. God didn't come to Moses when he was in the palace. When God called Moses, he didn't call Prince Moses. He called Shepherd Moses. God called Moses when Moses was in his desert. Moses spent 40 years being a somebody, spent 40 years being a nobody, and spent another 40 years of God showing what he can do with a nobody. After Moses went through his desert, and I'm, and I'm being a little evangelist, taking a little bit of liberty with that, but only a little bit, because he was in a desert. And God brings him out of that desert, brings him back into the palace, under the authority of God. He turned water into blood, frogs, lice, flies, boils, hail, locusts, darkness, killing of the firstborn children. Moses had the authority of God when he walked with God. When he kept his sights set on what God wanted to do. We talked last week briefly about God's perfect plan. We've got to stay aligned with God's perfect plan. In our humanity, we make mistakes and we mess up God's plan. But we've got to keep getting back onto it because the more perfect God's plan gets fulfilled, the better our lives will be. I didn't say that doesn't mean we're not going to go through deserts. Doesn't mean we're not going to have hard times. But the better our life will be. Hebrews 12.1 says, Wherefore seeing we, are also, we, are, we also are compassed about so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Those weights in that scripture are talking about burdens or hindrances, things that hold us back. He's calling us to lay down anything that hinders us in our walk with God. Things that separate us from God. Things that cloud our vision so we can't see Jesus. We've got to get the things out of our life that separate us from Jesus. We've got to root things out. We've got to root out distractions. We've got to root out entertainments that get in the way of our Bible reading time. We're all called by God. He gave a commission to his disciples, to his followers, to go, teach and baptize in Jesus' name, preach to the whole world, preach repentance, remission of sins, 
be a witness. The Great Commission's in the Bible in four different places, and it's outlined a little bit differently in each place. But it was a call by God for us to go spread his love to the world, to go teach his word to the world. You look at the story of Gideon. God calls Gideon. God tells Gideon, through your hand, through your might, through you, not like it's not through his might, but God tells Gideon, through you, we're going to deliver Israel. And Gideon responds to the angel and said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am least in my father's house. Gideon's response to the call that was placed on his life was, Who am I, Lord? Why me? Are you sure I'm qualified to do what you want me to do? Are you sure you know what you're doing, God? Is this the wrong number? Yeah, God knew what he was doing. God knew what he was doing. Because God is glorified through the impossible. God is glorified when he does the impossible. When you come through a situation, you say the only way that can happen is through God's miraculous power. There's a young man that I've been witnessing to and I lost contact with him. But just this week, I was sitting at Chipotle, minding my own business. I drove 20 minutes away. I was, I was, uh, it was my work day. I needed to take a break, and I wanted to go to Chipotle. And I, I had a 20-minute drive. I was going from Burnsville back to Egan. And so I mapped out my route, my phone, my phone maps. I mapped out my route. And I, and I had a lot of Chipotles along the way. And, and I picked the one that made the most sense to me. I was like, okay, this is the Chipotle I'm going to go to. And I'm sitting at Chipotle, eating my food, minding my own business. And in walks this young man that I've been witnessing to. That's been dodging me. And he orders his food and he kind of comes over. And I asked him, I said, do you believe in coincidence? <laughs> and he said, no, no, James, I don't believe in coincidence. But there's only one explanation for something like that to happen. It's not a coincidence. He went on to say, you don't know what I've been going through in the past 48 hours. And I said, God does, which is why you're here right now. Only God knows. We have to keep our eyes set on Jesus. When God called Gideon, Gideon's sitting there going, me? Are you sure me? I can't do anything. I got all these problems in my life. I'm a nobody. <clears throat> all Gideon looked at was himself. All Gideon could see was himself. Church, we have the God of the impossible calling us to do the impossible. And he wants us to take a step of faith. He wants us to step out and do the impossible. He wants us to step out of the boat with a step of faith and just hold on to his hand and keep our eyes locked in with him. And he's going to do great things in our life. He's going to do great things through us. Church, we're going to have revival in Shorewood. Yes. God gave me a vision two years ago of, of us being packed out in this building. And I still believe it as a promise from God. Yes. But we're going to have to step out and do some things that are a little radical. 
We're going to have to step out and reach out to our community. And I don't know what all that entails. But we have to prepare ourselves for the calling that has been placed upon this church. We have to prepare ourselves for the burden that's been placed upon this church. Look at the story of Paul. The greatest terror in the New Testament became the greatest blessing. What changed Paul's life? Seeing Jesus. The pivotal moment in Paul's life was when he's on the road to Damascus and bright light. And it blinded him. He had to lose his vision for three days to be able to take on God's vision. Romans 8 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. Galatians 6, 8-9 He that soweth to his flesh shall of his flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary of well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. When we walk in the flesh, we reap corruption. When we walk in the Spirit, we reap life everlasting. I heard somebody, I was listening to a message a podcast this week, and, and the, um, this preacher I was listening to, he said, you know, some people say that you don't need the Holy Ghost to get to heaven. He said, but you need the Holy Ghost just to walk through Walmart. It's a crazy world out there, church, and we've got to stay so full of the Spirit to protect ourselves from the chaos of this world and to hold to God's hand and to keep our eyes locked in on Jesus that no matter how wavy things get, you know, they, t- they, they teach, they teach the, the Navy that when you get out on that boat and you start feeling seasick, look to the shore because your whole world's getting kind of rocky, but you've got to look to that anchor point. You've got to look to the shore, which is a constant. The only constant in the world is Christ Jesus. And we've got to keep our eyes locked in on Christ Jesus. Look at the story of Lot when he's called out of Sodom. Lot ended up in such a mess. When you fall into sin, it takes you farther than you want to go, keeps you longer than you want to stay, and costs you more than you ever wanted to pay. But God called Lot out of Sodom. And he left. When God calls you out, you've got to get out. When God calls you out, go. Don't wait. God will always be there for you. God is our protector. He's our provider. He is our anchor. I go to my favorite chapter as I'm I'm closing out here, which is Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death. By faith, Noah prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteous, which is by faith.
All of these men stepped out in faith for God. By faith, Abraham went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of him of the same promise. God called Abraham out of his comfort zone into an area that he had never been before. God's calling somebody today to step out of their comfort zone, to let go of their comforts. God's talking to somebody about letting go of what's convenient for you and taking hold of what God wants to do in your life. Let's just pray for a minute, church. God's talking to somebody. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, minister to our hearts, God. God, speak to us, Lord. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Use me, Lord, use me, Lord. I give my life over to you, oh God, that you may use me. Lord, I give my life over to you that you may use me, God. That I may walk in your ways, God. That I can walk out of what's convenient for me. That I can walk away from what's comfortable for me. To do your will. To align myself with your work, O King. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Through faith, Sarah received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. These all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off. We don't always see the results of our faith. We don't always see the results of the prayers that we prayed. We don't always know the impact that we've had. I had a gentleman telling me a couple months ago, and I maybe told you this story before, that he got in touch with his with his uh, he got in touch with another pastor, and, and, and informed this pastor just to thank him and said, you know, you're the pastor that baptized my mother. And this pastor's going through his mind, and he's trying to piece the story back together. And this gentleman I was talking to that called this pastor down south and said, I just want to call him, thank you for baptizing my mother. Because she's in the church, so I'm in, you know, I'm in truth. And, and the pastor said, well, you know, I don't remember your mother. You know, can you, you know, can you tell me a little more about the story? And he said, well, you know, it was, it was when you were planting a church, you are doing a church plant in that one city over there, and you baptized my mother. And this, this preacher, this pastor down south, he said, you know, when I was planting that church, I had one baptism. I had one baptism. And I never knew what happened to that woman. And I've thought for 30 years that my ministry was a failure. The devil will twist and distort everything. He's the master of deception. He's the father of lies. We don't always see the results of the prayers that we pray. We don't always see the results of the scriptures that we share. We don't always see the results of us taking a step of faith. And you may take a step of faith out. You may share a scripture. You may pray for your waitress. You may pray for a family member. You may share a scripture with your family member. And they may scoff at you. And you may turn around and go, well, that was embarrassing. God, why did you let me go through that? That hurt my feelings. 
not about you. It's about Christ. It's about Christ's message. It's about getting Christ's message to people. The devil is going to throw that in your face. But you will never be able to, you may never, I don't say you won't ever, you may never see the results of the seed that you've planted. In Isaiah 65, 22, it says, They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant another eat. For as the days of a tree of the people and mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. Reading that scripture by itself without the, without the context actually gets kind of confusing. So I'll tell you what it's saying. That, that people are going to dwell in houses that they haven't built. They're going to be feasting off of fields that they didn't plant. Because there was a generation that came before them and shared with them. There was a generation that came before them and stepped out and paved the way. Somebody prayed prayers over this city. Prayers were prayed over this city before I got here. And now I'm in the city and I'm praying prayers over this city for the next pastor. I'm, I'm, we can break generational curses that have been in our family because we're going to change that path for our family. We can take a stand and say, I'm going to do this different so the next person doesn't have to. Teaching Bible studies. For the next generation. I'm changing my habits so that people look at me, they're not offended. I'm changing my habits so when people look at me, don't make the same mistakes that I have, don't get caught in the same traps that I've been caught in. We can make changes in our life to impact our community. And we have to take that step of faith even if we don't understand what's going on and put it in God's hands. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and were not afraid of the king's commandment. Moses' parents took a step of faith and hid Moses. What if they didn't hide Moses? What if they had turned Moses over and, and, just, and just fallen in line with the world? By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer afflictions with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He chose to be identified with God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Let's all stand. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood lest he should destroy the firstborn, touch him. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down, were compassed about seven days. By faith Rahab perished not with them that believed not. So my question this morning is, what are you willing to do by faith? If God's been laying and been drawing you to lay some things down in your life, or if you've been looking at your problems more than looking at Jesus, the solution. Or if you just want to realign your focus today. Let's all come around these altars. Let's take some time to pray. Let's get ourselves realigned and get our eyes set back on Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for bringing us together this morning. God, I thank you for what you're doing in our lives. God, I thank you for, the, for, for who you are. God, I thank you for being our steadfast rock. I thank you for being somewhere to lock our eyes and lock our sights in on Jesus.